Participate, engage, speak out, use your voice to be an effective advocate. The Voices in Advocacy podcast examines the diverse landscape of advocacy, exploring the ins and outs of building influence, driving change, and creating champion advocates. It's now time for the Voices in Advocacy podcast with your host, Roger Rickard. Hello, and I hope you're continuing to enjoy season three of the Voices in Advocacy podcast. I'm Roger Rickard, president and founder of Voices in Advocacy, where we work with organizations to inspire, educate, engage, and activate your supporters by turning them into effective, influential advocates. And this is the podcast dedicated to the art of advocacy. Uh, This podcast is for the people that work and engage in advocacy efforts for their organizations, be they corporations, associations, trade organizations, and nonprofit cause groups. Now, let's get started. On today's show, we speak with Matthew Fitting, Director of Grassroots Advocacy with the National Kidney Foundation, where he provides strategic direction and oversees implementation for all of the National Kidney Foundation's advocacy activities. Prior to his work with the National Kidney Foundation, he served in similar roles with the American Nursing Association, as well as the American Heart Association. He also has private sector grassroots experience for clients that include national nonprofits, trade associations, corporations, and political campaigns. Matthew is a graduate of Swarthmore College and received a master's degree in legislative affairs from the George Washington University Graduate School of political management. And importantly, he is a fellow native of the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And I just learned that he and I both worked in the Senate of Pennsylvania at different times. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome Matthew to today's show. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you, Roger. Great to be with you. I'm glad that you're here. Let's get started now. Now, for those that may not know, what is the overarching general mission of the National Kidney Foundation. So the National Kidney Foundation is here to be a voice for and to serve kidney patients and all those that care for them. Maybe they care for them in a professional sense, maybe in a personal sense, but with one in three American adults at risk for kidney disease, the broader kidney community um, is very, very broad indeed. Uh, Lots of folks uh, who are a part of it. Uh, You and everyone listening undoubtedly knows someone who has been touched personally by kidney disease, and we are here to serve them in whatever way we can to educate folks, raise awareness, to encourage research, um, to most personally, uh, for me, of course, to make sure that our uh, public officials, both elected and unelected, are making sure that they are keeping our kidney community in mind as they work to uh, advance their agendas. Excellent. So speaking of agendas... You know, and I, in doing some research, I know that you have you many touch points of different issues that are out there. So can you just share a couple of your uh, advocacy priorities when it comes to uh, at least the federal level, congressional level? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, number one with a bullet is encouraging more transplantation for kidney patients who find themselves um, moving through the stages of kidney disease. Um, Specifically, we are always working to encourage more living transplantation. Uh, I am myself an organ donor. If you look at my driver's license, you'll see that. I suspect 
many folks who are listening are as well. And so deceased donation, organ donation, of course, is and will continue to be uh, very important for ensuring that those who need kidney transplants get them. But we aren't uh, we don't have in this country um, as many living donations as we'd like to see. Uh, that starts at the top with our CEO, who is a gentleman named Kevin Longino. He is himself a kidney transplant recipient. He actually came to know the National Kidney Foundation first as a advocate, as an advocate, which, as you can imagine, is uh, very, very helpful for me and for our team. Um, and Kevin, you know, leads by example. He's always working to do more to encourage transplantation. The piece of legislation that probably exemplifies that best is something called the Living Donor Protection Act in Congress right now. That is H.R. 1255 and I believe S-377. I sure hope I got that right. And that would mean that, say, I were to donate a kidney to you. Um, subsequently, my life insurance or health insurance would not be jeopardized or made unfeasibly expensive just because I was a kidney transplant donor. Very, very important stuff. Something that the life insurance industry supports, something that we are very much hoping to see become federal law. It's already law in 20 states. So encouraging transplantation, very important. Number two, we know that um, unfortunately not everyone is going to get a transplant who needs one or wants one. That probably means that they are on dialysis. And so we work to serve those who are on dialysis. Um, right now, a piece of federal legislation that comes to mind is a bill that would expand access to home dialysis. Of course, dialysis facilities are all around this country. Um, you probably pass one when you're driving around and certainly making sure that the patients in those facilities are well served by public policy and our elected officials and unelected officials, that's really important. But some folks might want to dialyze in the home. And if they wanna do that, they should be able to do that. And so this bill would help with that. That is HR 5426. I would say finally, um, the state work that we're doing to set up chronic kidney disease task forces, and we do that in collaboration with uh, other nonprofit kidney groups, as well as some private interests as well, um, our public-private partnerships that include around a dozen or so stakeholders from a particular state just to try to devise policies that would help kidney patients, uh, again, and, and the broader community. What's the next Living Donor Protection Act? What can we do that would similarly, you know, expand access to home dialysis that, that is, you know, not that bill exactly, but what's the next bill that should be coming down the pike? So those are three things off the top. And quite extensive. Uh, and, and you're right. Everybody gets touched by this. I've had a cousin that's had a transplant. I had an uncle that was on dialysis. Uh, I'm sure that most of our listeners can do exactly what you had said. Uh, we're, we're all touched by this and, and amazing statistic of one in three uh, people in this country are touched by it. So you have a great video on your website called Your Voice Matters. And it's an advocacy uh, I would, I would say it's probably an advocacy recruitment tool. So how do you guys use that video uh, and where do you use it to help promote the advocacy efforts of uh, the kidney organization? Yeah, so um, that is part of our Voices for Kidney Health advocacy brand, identity, community. We actually launched that earlier this year uh, on June 1st. And we did that um, because you mentioned I have been previously at the Nurses and at the Heart Association. Uh, and I'm just taking those two because both of those have dedicated advocacy brands. And so when I got to NKF, I saw that we did not yet have one and we felt that we obviously should. So after a lot of conversations internally um, with our colleagues in marketing and communications and other departments, and most importantly, talking with our advocates who said time and again, I do this because it's a way to make my voice heard. Right, to make sure that the experiences that I've had as a kidney patient um, are put to a productive and good use to help uh, other patients, other current kidney patients and kidney patients to come. Um, 
And so Voices for Kidney Health, I think, you know, to um, kidney disease, of course, is, you know, at the core of the reason why our organization exists. But um, as much as we want to make sure that we're working with those who have kidney disease, we also want to promote better kidney health. And we want to make sure that we are working in a way that is um, uh, attractive for people to want to become involved with our organization. So Your Voice Matters is a um, video, again, in collaboration with our marketing and communications colleagues and the folks who work for us in creative services to put our advocates front and center. They are the ones who, you know, as a patient advocacy group, um, they are the ones who, you know, in telling their stories, help us to accomplish those policy goals that I just outlined. Um, and to really, you know, we talk about it all the time. One person's voice, one person's story can have such a massive impact. And so this video is meant to illustrate that and make that real to people. Um, in a way that meets them where they are. We deploy it, of course, on social media all the time, um, on our various uh, uh, channels that we have communicating with our advocates and with NKF volunteers more broadly. Um, it's meant to be inspiring and it's meant to be galvanizing as well. This is what we, we hope something that will get folks into the funnel of engagement with us. Uh, it's, it's a great video, folks. You get a chance to go see it. It's, it's very, very well done. And touches the heart of, of what Matthew just uh, just explained to us. You also have a thorough application, advocacy application kind of process. Uh, I've never seen an organization add that many questions to their, their questionnaires and the detail that you want. So how do you use <laughs> how do you use the data from the questionnaire? Uh, in conjunction with uh, maybe assigning them uh, to be involved in certain different aspects of your advocacy efforts? Yeah, absolutely. So that questionnaire is for the folks who are ready for, you know, um, Advocacy 201. They're, 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 they're ready to get into organic chemistry, as it were, is how I sometimes think of it. So hopefully somebody sees that video that you just alluded to, and they go to our Voices for Kidney Health website at voices.kidney.org and they take an action or they sign up to get updates from us, that's, that's step one, right? Now, a few months later, they've taken you know, an alert pretty much every time we send one. Um, they've delivered messages electronically to their congressional offices. They've maybe even gone ahead after they've taken the action, we always prompt folks, we ask them to go ahead and share that action on their social media uh, accounts because we know, you know us tweeting and putting on Facebook and all the others about our campaigns is it's important but it doesn't have the same weight as an advocate doing so and saying, hey, family, friends, people who follow me or with whom I'm connected on whatever social media platform it is, I just took this action because it resonates with me as a kidney patient or a member of the kidney community. Would you consider doing so as well? That is just, that has a whole other level of impact, right? So they've taken the actions, they've done the tweets or the Facebook shares, and they wanna take the next step. That is the point at which they'll fill out that questionnaire. And if they are a patient, then they become a member of our, after a screening process, they become a member of our kidney advocacy committee. That's for patients. And then we have a kidney outreach team. And that's for everybody who isn't a patient, but who really cares about kidney issues, who has uh, maybe uh, donated a kidney in the past, or that person is kind of a patient, but someone who cares for a kidney patient, but is not themselves one they would be right for our kidney outreach team. And we use that information to make sure that they are, of course, lined up with their correct representatives at the state and federal level. And I would say too, you know, for certain policy discussions, certain bills, you know, um, 
obviously someone who has benefited from a living donor is going to be able to speak to the Living Donor Protection Act uniquely, it's going to be uniquely suited to that. Whereas a dialysis patient, someone who's benefited from home dialysis is uniquely suited to speak to our home dialysis bill. So that helps with that as well. So you funnel them. That's exactly right. Yeah, you put them in the right funnel. And I love your example of going to the next level of the like the 201 organic chemistry. So what training do you then provide or do you provide to your kidney advocates to make them even more effective and more influential? Yeah, so we have a number of resources on our Voices for Kidney Health site, and we encourage folks to check out that. We have an onboarding um, brief video that we have them watch. But then, you know, the, the learning is in the doing, I think. Um, so I think a good example is from this past August. We started doing something that I'm very excited for us to continue to do in future Augusts. I'm sure any advocacy professional who's listening knows uh, that August is the time when Congress generally, usually, uh, goes on district work period, uh, which is what they used to call recess. We don't call it that anymore because um, that, uh, that uh, uh, creates the misperception that uh, Congress and staff aren't always working very hard, as we know they are. So what we did for August was, we took folks who had joined either the Kidney Advocacy Committee or the Kidney Outreach Team, so our, our grass tops groups, essentially. Anybody who had joined those groups in the past six to nine months or so, who maybe had participated in our Kidney Patient Summit, which takes place every March, which is Kidney Month, but who maybe hadn't taken a one-on-one -on -one meeting with their congressional representatives. So we looked at all of those folks. We picked out about 20 or so. Who were, who were represented by members of the House who sit on key committees of jurisdiction for us. And we worked with them to schedule meetings this past August. Of course, it was still all over Zoom. In future years, we're excited to get back to doing in-person, but scheduling these meetings, one-on-one um, -on -one meetings, sometimes it was both um, a staffer and the member of Congress, sometimes just the staffer, um, to convey our agenda, to make sure that if they were on the Living Donor Protection Act at that point, that they were thanked for that or encouraged to support it. By that point, our home dialysis bill hadn't yet been introduced, but it was about to be. So we laid the groundwork there with that. Uh, they spoke to why um, federal funding for kidney disease um, is something that we want to see increased and done in a manner so that it, it is it focuses on education and research and awareness as much as it does paying for care for dialysis patients, for example, who are on Medicare. So just conveying our agenda face to face. And we did that for our newer folks. So you do this in, in, in August and, and you're connecting. Are you then connecting with the district offices or are you still connecting with the office in D.C.? It varied. In some cases, we had the district director on. Uh, in some cases, the legislative staff are back here in D.C. So it varied. And we, and we you know, left it to the offices to sort of determine how they wanted to handle that. But now going forward, you know, whoever that person may be, that'll be the go-to for this advocate going forward. And you know, having those connections is, is just so valuable. And, and continuing to build a long-term relationship with them. That's uh, right. Excellent. Is, is advocacy technology, in your opinion, kind of taking over personal grassroots engagement? I think that the trick is to make sure that that advocacy technology maintains that personal connection. Um, and it's, it's, I think, sometimes very definitely easier said than done. Um, one thing that we do on our action pages, and I know we're not the only organization that does so, but we actively encourage folks, you know, once they put in their personal information so we can connect them to the right, um, to the right representatives and senders, we, we tee up for them a pre-written message. But we specifically and deliberately say to them, 
we want you to personalize this message. We want you to say why home dialysis is important to you. Why is living donation so critical for you? So that they can put in that message. And so we know that'll help us stand out as these offices are getting, I mean, you know, I, I have been on the other side and that was longer ago than I'd care to say. And even then before we were really, you know, in the age of the age we're in, um, that congressional offices were getting so many messages. I know that that's only increased since. So we've got to stand out. We need that personal touch. And I would say we need it too given um, the nature of patient advocacy and given the nature of what we do. So one of these advocates who participated in this August meeting, and I will say these August meetings, again, took place over Zoom, the technical, right? I mean, the digital made all of that possible. But in any case, I'm reminded of a woman named uh, Renika, who is um, a, a constituent of Congressman um, Brad Winstrup, if I recall correctly. And, you know, we talk about, and from a 30,000 foot level, our lobbyists talk about why home dialysis is a good idea, among other reasons, because it helps folks who have challenges with transportation, getting to and from dialysis facilities. Now that's a, a simple, straightforward talking point, puts it efficiently. But when Renika gets on with the staffer in Congressman Wenstrup's office, she talks about, she talked about her father, who unfortunately is no longer with us, and how not having a car to get to and from dialysis facility, he would sometimes have to take two or three buses both ways. And she says that in a manner that, you know, I can't replicate because it's not personal to me, but you can just imagine the weight of that personal connection of that story connects to the issue in a manner that, again, there's no replicating that. That is unique and, and its value is unique. So uh, working with the technology and the digital and all the wonderful things that it helps us to do to, to further convey the personal, I think is the trick here. Yeah, I, and, and I agree with you. And, and I think you tied that together very, very well. But you brought up something that's fascinating to me is <clears throat> what do you do to help create a comfort level for your grassroots advocates to be able to tell their personal story? You know, it's sometimes easy for people to tell a friend, a neighbor, uh, exactly what they feel. And how do you create the comfort for them to be able to tell uh, members of Congress and their staff, uh, the, their personal storytelling. So uh, I'm reminded of one of my first bosses who was teaching me about organizing writ large. And he said, you know, on a very fundamental level, what, what is organizing? What is campaigning really? It's sitting down and listening to people. Um, so in the case of Renika, for example, myself and our director of congressional relations, a woman named Lauren Drew, um, connected with her directly um, two times, I think, actually, prior to that meeting that she had with Congressman Wenstrup's office and that staffer. And we heard her story and heard all about, you know, why she had uh, filled out that questionnaire that you mentioned, why she had chosen to get involved with us. Um, I think if I'm recalling correctly, this was really the first time she was in a meeting like this. So we had to, you know, sort of clear those hurdles and just convey that it was just, it's just talking and it's just listening, right? Um, so we heard her story. We heard her talk a little bit about why she wanted to get involved. We helped her to hone it and really focus in on the key details so that she could deliver that talking point, for example, around transportation and home dialysis and do so in a way that she felt comfortable with and um, that she understood was, I think, important too, to understand that this was the beginning of a relationship that she's going to have with that office going forward or that she's going to have with you know, whomever represents her going forward at the federal level, at the state level, what have you. Um, I think it's, it's about empowerment too. Just demonstrating that people want to hear what she has to say um, is really important so that she feels empowered 
to further share her story, we're going to keep prompting and encouraging her to do so, but we want her to do so unprompted and maybe not necessarily, you know, directly with our encouragement. If she finds herself, you know, in a circumstance where um, she's in a public setting and, and she sees that maybe say, you know, the congressman or some other uh, elected official has a, has a, you know, a, a table at the, uh, you know, at the, at the farmer's market on the weekend, I'm just taking an example, feeling empowered to go up to them and say, Hey, you know, I just wanted to let you know that kidney issues are really important to me. And I know that, you know, that's something that you, you could be working on. I, I want to encourage you to make sure that you're doing that. Um, so yeah, listening, making sure folks feel empowered. I, I, I think empowerment is just such an important thing that I always keep coming back to. Um, I think those are really important, to, important things to touch on. Well, with that, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the word advocacy? So um, it's, it might be apocryphal. It's sometimes attributed to Teddy Roosevelt. Um, it might not have been him. I think maybe William Jennings Bryant, just grassroots with the etymology of grassroots. Grassroots came from the, the soil of people's hard necessities. This is a very early 20th century uh, aphorism. But so I think of grassroots first, and then I think of how that connects to advocacy. And I think of the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, in working with our advocates, we want them to feel empowered and positive. We want them to feel like they're part of a positive movement that delivers continued successes around kidney disease, kidney health, our organizing principle. Um, but generally, if we're trying to get something passed, if we're trying to advance something, it's because there's a problem and we need to fix that problem. So identifying the problem, identifying the challenge or challenges that people are facing, and then taking that, you know, problems are negative. I, I, I work pretty hard uh, in my professional life, not to use the word problem. I, I generally try to avoid it, but sometimes you got to face it head on because the problem, the challenge that we're facing is what's going to feed into the positive, taking that and using it as something positive, using it to fuel our advocacy to make things better on a very fundamental level. So I, the first thing I think of is the problem. And then I think of how do we make that problem something productive? You know, time flies, Matthew, when you're, uh, you have a great guest on, and uh, I wanted to just touch base with you with all the detail that you've gone over with A, your advocacy work, the grassroots advocacy, what you're doing with your advocates and what, what is going on with the National Kidney Foundation. Is there anything else you'd like to add here? Well, I, I'm always amazed um, by now with the Heart Association, the Nurses Association, even that's a professional group, not a patient group, but um, Patient advocates in particular, folks who have, you know, faced the challenges of the problems caused by um, disease. And that often includes pain. It includes unpleasant things, things that, you know, we, we, we hope that our, that we and our, our, those that we care about, our loved ones, family, friends can avoid. Um, I think that this, you know, directly ties to my, to my previous answer, taking something that is generally not so pleasant, um, outright unpleasant, in fact, and making it something positive. Um, to me, just never ceases to be um, a huge source of inspiration. I admire so deeply um, patient advocates in particular, but anybody who wants to take their story, to take something that isn't as it should be and try to use it to fuel a productive, positive campaign. Uh, I think that's hugely inspiring. And anything we can be doing, you know, with, with digital and technical and all these tools we have to connect people better and more than ever to the folks that represent them, and at the same time, I think it's fair that a lot of people have never felt more disconnected from those that represent them. Anytime we can try to close that gap, 
uh, I think we, we have to do it. I think it's really important work and I'm, I'm grateful that I get to do it. What a great way to wrap that up is how do you connect people? Uh, how can people reach the National Kidney Foundation uh, for more information and particularly on advocacy? Well, if you want to get involved with our efforts, our Voices for Kidney Health website is at voices.kidney.org. And when you get there, you're going to see all kinds of opportunities to take action, sign up, um, get involved more. If they want to reach out to me directly, I would definitely encourage them to please do, do so. I'm at Matthew, that's M-A-T-T-H-E-W dot fitting, F-I-T-T-I-N-G, fitting is inappropriate, Matthew.fitting at kidney.org. Excellent. That's a wrap of today's wonderful conversation with Matthew. Matthew Fitting, Director of Grassroots Advocacy with the National Kidney Foundation. Thank you, Matthew, for being on the show today, and I wish you and your efforts all the best. Thank you, Roger. You too. Let's face it, today's advocacy arena is just plain noisy. Organizations are stretched. You need every advantage to make sure your issue gets the attention it deserves and your voice heard. The RAP Index is the best way to do just that by finding your stakeholders' relationships and engagement power. Get past the noise. Know who your people know. Go to rapindex.com. That's R-A-P-Index.com and tell them Roger sent you for a special offer. If you like today's podcast, head over to where you find your podcasts and subscribe to the Voices in Advocacy podcast. A big thank you to today's guest. I appreciate your time and the unwavering passion for advocacy you have. Well, that's it for this episode of Voices in Advocacy. Remember, you have the power to be an effective, influential advocate. Now go out and make it a better world. We hope you enjoyed today's Voices in Advocacy podcast and look forward to you joining us again next week. To learn more about Voices in Advocacy, go to our website, voicesinadvocacy.com.